hola, hola, my name is Ricardo, I am the host of the Lucha Jovers podcast here in the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. We are a Spanish-speaking show dedicated to discussing and analyzing pro wrestling from all across the world. From AW to CMLL, we talk about American wrestling, Japanese wrestling, and of course, Lucha Libre. If something big happened in the pro wrestling world, we will talk about it. So if you know Spanish or have a friend that knows Spanish or want to practice your Lucha Libre pronunciations, go listen to the Lucha Jovers podcast right here in the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. Nos vemos por ahí. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Hello everybody and welcome to the Super Jcast. I'm Joel, joined by Damon McDonald. It is Sunday the 28th of May 2023. This is episode 216. Um, you will remember, Damon, that I think it was last week we were talking about my good friend Sipsy and his bare naked ladies yes. um, odysseys. So he's got a clap back for you. Are you ready for this? Right, so he's asked me to ask you. Yeah. <laughs> are we ready this is this is war he says what songs do duran duran play at their concerts is it just hungry like the wolf and rio on repeat for the whole show ah. and he adds as a caveat there he says it took me two weeks to think of a comeback and it isn't very good <laughs> it stinks <laughs> because they have girls on film they have planet earth they have uh ordinary world which was a massive 90s hit when they make the uh nice little comeback um uh, what about Wild Boys? What about of you to a kill who went to number one? The only James Bond theme to do so. Uh, so yes, really, uh, yeah, that's the only Bond theme to make number one. No, that can't I, be. Uh, right. come it's on, look it up, look it up, look it up. All right, James Bond themes. I better be right. Live and let die. That was a good one. Wasn't it, it was good. Uh, Not number one. Huh. I think you might be right. There you go. I've just done a quick Google, and it says, View to Kill is the only Bond song to have reached number one on the US billboard. Well, that's the only one that matters. Let's be honest. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Number one. Number one. You've won. You've won the argument. I mean. Sipsy in the mud. Right. I mean, no, sorry, Sipsy. I don't mean that. But you, his point was that we, we've been very close-minded about the um, the range, and the, the freshness of the hits that are bare naked ladies. Name hits. another one. So, what's another one? Yeah, yeah. One week is the only one I know. Don't ask me. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not Sipsy. I'm not the bare naked ladies super fan. When we get him on the show, yeah. which we will do at some point, then you, then you you can you can hash it out with him. But I thought it would be fun to touch base with music, Damon. Uh, what, what about sports reporter Damon? Can we check in with him? Certainly, certainly. Let me see. Uh, sports reporter? Yes, he is. Uh, coming in right up. Yes, yes, yes. What can I do for you? All right. So I've got two. You can take these in any order you wish. So Please. one is from uh, the great Boots Leprechaun. He says, should the 76ers call Dawn Staley? <laughs> and Curtis says, uh, hockey Damon, with Kyle Dubas out as least GM, it looks like it's time for one or more of Toronto's big four to go. Uh, Which ones are going 
to be leaves at the season opener next year. I think Mander is gone. Wish it was to Colorado. Uh, love from Okada Shorts. Yes, Okada Shorts. Uh, that is a struggle that I am having. Uh, I will address uh, Boo's Leprechaun, the great, as you said, Boo's Leprechaun, uh, who always helps with many facets of this show. Not only the uh, Discord, but she'll when the bat signal is raised, she's there for the taking. So love it. Um, <laughs> and and the deep Philadelphia references right there <laughs> with her question. Um, so the Sixers uh, basketball team fired their coach, Doc Rivers, who stunk on ice, didn't know how to make any adjustments, has his reputation of being a great coach. I don't know where he got that. So. And uh, Dawn Staley is uh, in the – she's always been a part of Philadelphia Temple basketball and stuff like that. Anywho, um, I don't know who the fuck is going – I think it's going to be uh, Nick Nurse, actually, the former Toronto basketball coach, I think, which would be funny because the star player and the coach always had this little beef going on. So that will be fun. Um, the Leafs. Leafs are in trouble, uh, Joel. Leafs are in, in a pickle here. So uh, they did fire Kyle Dubas, young gentleman who was uh, for seven years a general manager, built the Maple Leafs into this 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 juggernaut, this force, this regular season, just fun to watch, epic, high-paced puck possession hockey. Well, we, as you are well aware, we don't win shit when it comes time for a playoff. So... Uh, they, at the end of the year, they had a press conference, like they always do. Um, and it's kind of like a state of the union with the general manager and the president and all that stuff. Well, this year, it was just Kyle Dubas, right? So it was okay, a little odd because usually it's the president and the general manager that's there, president being Brendan Shanahan. Uh, he's, he goes off on, I don't know what, it's not a tangent, but he goes off a little bit off script, it felt like where he was talking about, I don't know if I'm going to be back next year because of the stress that it put not only on myself, but to my family. That raised eyebrows within uh, Maple Leaf Sports, and uh, he was he was fired after that press conference. Um, now, okay, but the biggest problem is this. So their best player, and arguably one of the best players in the league, Austin Matthews, um, has a clause kick in on his contract on July 1st, and that is a no-trade clause, right? So going into the season, if we don't sign him by July 1st, he will become unrestricted free agent with a no trade clause, right? So he can go anywhere he wants and we get nothing in return and he could just sign with anybody he he pleases. The star of our franchise, the best player the Maple Leafs have ever had (laughs) could walk away, potentially walk away uh, from the team. Now, uh, you would think... Does does that happen regularly in in the sport? Because that happens a lot in football. Yeah. But it's quite a common thing these days for big players to run down their contracts yeah. and, and leave uh, on free capital. It can. I mean, not for nothing. We were on the positive side of it with this guy, John Tavares, who played for the Islanders. And a very similar situation actually happened, and we reaped the benefits of it. 
Oh, dude, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm not gonna lie. I'm not gonna lie. And again, I've been covering fucking hockey for t- over 20 years. I've, every player that's going through Philadelphia, I've seen, talked to, you name it. And I don't get necessarily starstruck. I'm starstruck with Austin Matthews and <clears throat> uh, the team in general. So it's, uh, it would, I would go into a deep depression. <laughs> If Austin Matthews left. Now, the uh, question of uh, one of the core four. So the core four, John Tavares, uh, Austin Matthews, William Nylander, and Mitch Marner. Now, those four players, Joel, take up over 50% of our payroll. Four players, 50%. Right? So you would think, okay, those guys have to produce in the playoffs. Uh, hit or miss. Hit or miss. So... The question becomes, okay, are we trading people? Are we? What are we doing in this offseason? And yeah, I think they are going to move somebody. And I think, I mean, how do you, I don't know. It's like, it's like Sophie's choice. <laughs> it really is. Because all of them are great during the regular season. And all of them, well, you know what? Nylander had a good, who knows? I don't know. But yeah, I think one of the four is going to get moved. Um, but it's, it's chaos now. Chaos not. Thanks for uh, indulging me in eight minutes of Maple Leaf talk. Do you think we should try and phase out Sophie's choice from the lexicon like that? Mm. You don't like that one, do you? It makes me a bit uncomfortable. Yeah. I don't know if this is just me being, uh, as, as a Jewish person, I mean, of course, for, for listeners who don't know, this is um, based on uh, uh, an 80s drama film and the context of that is a lady having to choose which of her children dies in a concentration camp which uh <laughs> not something i plan to talk about when we open this podcast right. but, uh, we, we've gone in that direction mm. anyway well i mean um, it's just through it. i don't know as, you, as, as a non-jewish person right do you, do you think it's just it's gone past that point where it's lost that Oomph. that sort of the, the connection to yeah what it um, what it actually means. Yeah. You know, just everyone just says it without really knowing what it, right. what it refers to. Uh, I mean, I think, I think, I think language takes different courses where things that uh, were, you know, uh, you can't say that, uh, um, changes and it does get diluted. And I would say the opposite does occur as well. Um, let's put it this way: if if it's, hmm, I mean, I don't care either way. Uh, I have no stake in the game, but I mean, look, I mean, we you can we can never say that phrase ever. I can edit it right now. No, I don't want to edit it because I think it's a, a valuable discussion to have. Okay, all right. I don't want to make you I don't mad. Think enough people are having conversations like this. No, no, I'm not mad at all. I just i i I've heard that phrase being used commonly, and I know there's absolutely no malice behind it right. at all. Um, but I think it's important to have these sorts of conversations in order to. to Can I ask a, a dumb question? Um, and most of them are on my yeah. on my part. Is that based <laughs> off of a real story? Or is it a movie? Uh, 
<laughs> yeah, it's it's a movie, but I think a, a lot of people did experience similar things. I mean, if you're asking me if the Holocaust is real or <laughs> no, fictional, I am firmly in the camp of it happened. I am, uh, please. Please, uh, no, I just, I just didn't know of the actual story. But yes, yes, a dumb question in the sense of uh, now I've run off all the Holocaust denies <laughs> that portion of our You're fan base. Right. Damn it, damn it. Um, yes, I would say either way. I mean, there are, I mean, the choices that had to be made. While it may not be specific uh, that this movie was, you know, about one specific person, I don't know. Who knows? I could Wikipedia, but I'm too lazy. Um, yeah, I don't know. See, here's the thing. And I know I'm going to get the, oh, well, yeah, you're a white guy. <laughs> uh, I sometimes I get a little bit, I don't know. Un, no, no, I can't even say uncaring. I was going to say uncaring, but I don't. That's not true. Um, the, I know words have power, but words are words. Sticks and stones, Joel. <laughs> right? No? <laughs> Not in this case. Um, I don't know. I, I, again, what are your thoughts? This is as a, uh, I, as a, uh, fertile Jewish man. No, I'm not. I'm infertile. We oh, know that's this. right. This is established Holy fact. shit, you're right. <laughs> that is correct. That is correct. Oh. All right. As an unfertile Jewish man. I, I, no, I'm not one to... Um, I don't know. Maybe this... I might say this sentence and people are going to think, what the fuck are you talking about? You absolutely are. I was going to say, I don't think I'm the sort of person that polices people's language in general. Uh, <laughs> that might, y- your mileage may vary on that but I don't know it's just a phrase that when I hear it I, maybe it's not even so much as, as being a, a Jewish person but being a dad as well like when I hear someone and again I'm not throwing shade at you here Damon because everyone uses yeah. it but when I hear someone sort of throw Sophie's Choice into a casual conversation uh, then I'm immediately put in uh, sort of a scenario, like imagining myself in a concentration camp, having to decide which of my children lives and which one dies. Which I know not. Oh. I'm probably in a very, very small, tiny minority of people who thinks of that when they hear the phrase "Sophie's Choice." But uh, well, we all know it's definitely it's, Esther. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I mean, right. <laughs> what now? And then the segue, right? The segue. Um, other difficult decisions to be made, not just by Sophie, but by Aussie Open, oh. who had to decide uh, which company that they were going to work for. Um, they announced in the week. Well, Tony Khan announced that they have now signed deals with All Elite Wrestling, mm. which is a big disappointment. Uh, much like it was for Sophie in the camps, um, <laughs> us as New Japan fans. <laughs> I'm going to stop this. I apologize. You're going to get cancelled. I know it. I mean, <laughs> it's the last show. <laughs> I can feel it. Like I'm like like I have this anxiousness about me right now. That it's like, oh my god, this is it. This is, this is where it ends. Yeah, who'd have thought? Eh? All because of the sports questions. But there you go. Uh, anyway, back to Aussie Open. Um, my big question. Is, so there was a little video popping up on the AEW Japan thing with 
Carl Fletcher saying, oh, we're going to be back in Japan. You know, we want our tag team titles back, blah, blah, blah. We don't know what a potential New Japan deal might look like. From what I've asked around, and it seems that the AW deal is not an exclusive deal. So there's definitely room for them to be making future New Japan appearances in the future. But if it is the kind of situation like, I don't know, an FTR where we get Aussie Open flying in, you know, three or four times a year to do a big show. I don't know if I want that. Mm. Now, there's, we, we would set up expectations a certain way, right? So I don't know what the story is here. Perhaps uh, the word on the street is that um, New Japan did offer them something, but it wasn't what they thought they were worth. And so they decided to sign with AEW who were offering more money, which is absolutely fair enough. And just to make clear, I'm not having a go at Aussie Open, like completely understand the decision and totally support people just getting as much money as they can while they're still able to work. So I totally get it why they would sign with AEW. Um, there was talk about Mark Davis's surgery, getting paid by Tony Khan. I mean, all that stuff makes a difference. And, you know, especially when these guys have got families to support, we know that the New Japan finances are tight. You know, we heard the uh, there was a, an interview with Abari in the week. I think it was with Abari anyway. I need to check my notes on that, but saying that they were in serious financial peril during the pandemic and they're only just sort of coming out of that. Um, and obviously they have splashed their money elsewhere. You know, they've got big money going on people like Mercedes Monet. So obviously not able to offer Aussie Open what they thought they were worth. But the main question for me is the G1 Climax because it seems that that was the way we were trending with Davis and Fletcher both having impressive singles runs in the New Japan Cup and with uh, whispers going around that we are looking at an expanded 32-man G1 roster. Mm. I think it would have made sense to expect Fletcher and Davis injury notwithstanding in the grade one climax, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, That would have been a fair assumption. I think so. Yep. So, I mean, I've been saying for several months now how excited I was about the prospect of this long-term story with Kyle Fletcher and Will Ospreay because I thought, you know, that's a a brilliant passing of the torch moment in in the making there. Fletcher was really starting to get popular in Japan and I could just see it being that long-term story where they have their feuds eventually and then Osprey passes the torch and Fletcher becomes the next guy, the next big foreign star. And previously, this has happened a lot as a New Japan fan. You know, we've had in the past foreign stars getting really popular and then leaving for greener pastures. Like that's all part of being a New Japan fan. We understand that. It's a bit like being an Arsenal fan, really, in in recent years. You know, we've seen our uh, young up-and-coming stars reach their peaks with Arsenal and then decide they want to leave because there's more money or, or more glory elsewhere. And we've seen this New Japan fans, you know, with Prince Devitt and AJ Styles or Kenny Omega or recently Jay White. But we had the luxury then of them being with New Japan long enough to quote unquote finish their stories. Yeah. You know, we got a good run out of them. They were able to have lots of top matches with all the best guys and, you know, put over a few people on their way out. But now it seems like those stories are, start to get off cut off early i am doubtful whether we will get that i don't think we're going to get that fletcher osprey thing in new japan no i just don't because i'm not sure new japan can afford to pay 
what Carl Fletcher would want to, to do that in New Japan. And, you know, if rumours to be believed, Osprey is going to be considering his future when his deal's up. So I think that's off the table now, which is a shame. And that is, that, that's kind of a new sort of disappointment as a New Japan fan. Usually we would get that stuff and we know they're not going to stay forever, that they'd eventually leave. But you, you get your fun out of, you know, playing with the toys while you had them. So, I mean, I guess the sort of effect of this is going to be us as fans and, and the domestic fans as well, keeping the foreign stars at arm's length because, you know, we just don't want to get disappointed in future. What In future, I may avoid waxing lyrical about uh, a new talented potential foreign babyface star because, you know, they could just end up signing with AEW the very next week. Maybe Tony Khan's listening to this podcast and thinking, wow, Joel's really putting this guy over. Let's get the checkbook well, out. Surprised. But, uh, you know, maybe ne- next time a, a foreigner catches fire, you know, we're just going to shrug our shoulders and say, well, that was a cool tour. Guess they'll be out uh, out of the company soon in WWE or AEW. And, you know, maybe the future for New Japan booking these guys is to use that, the, the Jonah model, as I call it, where they had a guy in for a tour and they did like a little mini story with him. They got one big win over a big star and then they've returned the favor on their way out and that's it. Bye-bye. Thank you. And that was cool. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with roster over turnover. It keeps things fresh. Um, it's a market economy. Like there's no blame to, to Aussie Open for signing the deal. You can't, can't criticize Tony Khan either. Um, if New Japan really liked and valued Aussie Open that much, they should have offered them a better deal. But it does also make you wonder about this AEW partnership and, what New Japan are getting out of it. Uh, so William says, should New Japan just stop giving titles to people who aren't under contract? Um, what are your thoughts on this whole thing? I mean, it's disappointing, but it's it's been par for the course for, I mean, as long as I can remember. The, the idea of... Look, back in the, in the day, you know, you had territories and you had... And I'll give an example of like Terry Funk or Stan Hansen, or whatever. Like, you wouldn't see Terry Funk for a couple of weeks because he's doing his all-Japan thing and being a star there, and then he comes back to Georgia, or he comes back to Memphis, or he comes to wherever. Um, I, it, look, there's always been this idea of Japanese promotions bringing in American talent and foreign talent. Um, that's always been on the table. Um, and you always, you know, when a tour was over, you kind of always had a sense of, okay, this guy's going back home. Right. Uh, and again, maybe this is a terrible analogy, but like every title change that happened in Japan, like, like giant Baba winning the NWA world title. Right. And then at the end of the tour, Harley race wins it back, <laughs> you know, um, uh, Bob Backlund losing the title um, in Tuanoki and then winning it back on the same tour. Uh, I mean, we've seen countless, countless times that's happened. Uh, the problem is this, is that for the most part, a lot of that stuff went under the radar. Right? You didn't really know about that stuff. And you really didn't, you know, it wasn't like you were getting tapes or a lot of tapes or, you know, or, or seeing live events as they happen from Japan. So the idea of guys just kind of getting phased out and phased back in, um, was, you know, very normal, but 
you, you really, they, I mean, rarely did they go, okay, well, Terry Funk is now going to Japan, you know, or, or whatever. They, he just kind of does his thing and then moves on. Uh, it's, it's disappointing because once again, um, we're, we're on the shitty end of the stick, right? Uh, and again, this does not necessarily mean that this is a, a situation where they are exclusive to AEW, but um, yeah, the idea of the, the of the progression and him, and I only say him, I mean Fletcher, uh, becoming a guy, a singles guy. Um, you know, it was it was it's a, I think it's a great want. I it, and you're right. I can't blame. You're not going to blame Tony Khan, and you're not going to blame Aussie Open uh, for this. They're going, look, instantly, instantly, by them signing, they are, one, their travel is cut tremendously. And I don't care what anyone says. The idea of living on an airplane stinks. Stinks. Uh you so you're you know you have a home base where you're running live shows consistently in front of packed audiences, and not for nothing you're on TV every week. You know there's there's they're instantly a notch above in their star level. You talked about it how New Japan is is tightening the purse strings, like where so the idea of them making more money in New Japan. Might not be on the table right now. Um, so you're in your 20s. You have the opportunity to go you know, to the you know, United States. And you know, for the most part, aside from a, a, a Wembley show, which is still, you know, for a lot of these guys, they're not going to be on WrestleMania. Right? So for them to work in front of a massive crowd at Wembley Stadium, um, it's got to check a box somewhere. Uh, I mean, Tokyo Dome is the closest thing that New Japan has, and the Wembley show has what doubled. It's doubled the like one of the largest attended Tokyo domes, right? <laughs> like it's just it's not in, in in modern times. In modern times, should I say? So, I mean, what are you gonna do? Look, it, it you just have. Well, I, I suppose my question for you, Dad, like, is, is it a zero sum game? Should New Japan stop pushing no. Western wrestlers no. and focus on their domestic talent? And to be fair, it, that's it looks like that's what they're doing this year, doesn't it? To well, I mean, I mean, Teton was just in the finals, right? Um. Yes, but as a as a vehicle to put over right. one of their dojo boys. I mean, I was just thinking, like, there was a, a graphic on the New Japan World website where on the front cover there's Tanahashi, Ren, Okada, Shota, Sanada, Despi, Hiromu, Suji, and Naito. So all Japanese wrestlers, which is great. You know, you'd expect that New Japan Pro Wrestling, but it did make me think, oh, huh, that's interesting. Like, did, did it put any foreign talent on there whatsoever. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I know that graphic. Do you feel like the company's sort of getting back to basics? Uh, Okay. Uh, Can I throw some some names out to you? And you tell me where they stand. Uh, How about Zach Sabre Jr.? Uh, In what sense? Well, I mean, he's a full-time New Japan pro wrestler, right? He's he's under contract. Do you think that he would is being phased down? Uh, no, I don't. Okay, so it, we're just talking about contracted guys, right? Um, Am I frustrating you? Yeah, I'm just <laughs> like no. I'm, oh. I'm, I'm just sort of trying to think about which guys. Which foreigners are or have until recently been booked quite prominently? I mean, the fact that there's no sign of like Zach is a surprise. I think you know Zach could have been on there. He's a current title holder, but Will Osprey. I mean, I wonder. Maybe I'm just reading too much into this graphic, but it does seem that there is a, a very strong concerted effort for the company to build their own stars, guys who are likely to be there for the long term which is something i applaud i think it's great <laughs> yeah i mean i i but, but to me i feel like they've i don't want to say they've always done that but they've done that a lot um even in even in recent times um and in the past they've had uh western wrestlers come over and do their thing and then and then go. I mean, just kind of a, of a. It's kind of a thing that that's always been done. Is there a, more of a focus now? Um, I mean, possibly, possibly. I mean, if you go up and down the roster right now, who's who? You know, who's wearing gold and who's in big programs? And you're right; it it does feel that way. Uh, but I don't know if they're ex- like if, if it's a really a. Well, maybe it is. Maybe it is a a a conscious, cost-effective method. Um, at, le- at least it seems that way right now. Like I, I kind of don't want to read between the lines on this. But look, I know there's a there's plenty of people that are thrilled with it, the idea and the notion of. It being Japanese centric, right? The people getting the pushes and people getting uh, all of that is, you know, is a positive thing. I, 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 I know it. Um, I just, I just, I think that it goes in cycles. You know, I think it goes, it ebbs and flows with what they want to do and how they want to do it, and, and and the usage of foreign talent. Well, speaking with the money, like I says, I've been on the same page as you guys about New Japan being in some sort of spend as little as possible mode right now. However, with the Independence Day shows in Korakuen Hall announced, a card featuring a lot of guys they're flying in from the West who also aren't proven draws in front of uh, a Japanese audience. Same goes for Moxley and Claudio being at Dominion. Feels like it's coming to an end. I wish it were. Um, I mean, I think it's I think it's fantastic that that all those guys get to go on a tour 
and come over, come over and 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 live the dream that that I'm sure the vast majority of those guys have had, you know, on their to-do list. Um, and and it costs money to send people over, you know. I mean, so there is that investment now. I'm not saying this is the case. I want to be very clear. I'm not saying this is the case. But there have been countless times where wrestlers that you would think, what? Uh, had to pay out of pocket the flight to go to Japan. People that I think if I said the names, would you would recognize. Um, and again, some of them, some of them are, I think it's fair to say, uh, underneath the pecking order when it comes to Japanese pro wrestling from new Japan, but it, that's not a, that's not a odd thing to have had, have happened. I am not saying that anyone on the strong roster is paying their own flight to get over there, but. But it would not shock me. How about that? How about that? And I was just having a look at some notes from our Discord uh, written by Andrew, who's helpfully translated some of that Obari interview. So this doesn't outright say it, obviously, but uh, the impression is that Obari has done a lot to pull New Japan away from the financial brink there. Uh, financial year 2022 got the second highest revenue in company history. Uh, still only a slim profit because their biggest profit margins are in ticket sales and that hasn't fully recovered. That was uh, 60% of 2019 in 2022. Before he took over, ticket sales and merch sold at the venue accounted for two-thirds of New Japan's revenue. Now it's less than half. Mm. Uh, the company was on the verge of going under, so Tanahashi came to see him to ask how they were doing. And Obari lied and said they were fine, but he says that they had less than six months left at that point had they continued the, the current practices. Uh, he's doing more crossover events with other promotions because he thinks if he gets more New Japan fans to become All Japan or NOAA fans, then if New Japan hits a rough patch and loses those fans, they'd still be pro wrestling fans. And it's easier to win those people back because they'd be more likely to hear about it should New Japan hit another hot streak. But if they find another hobby entirely, then it's more difficult to compete with that which is, um, Andrew adds, is a very pragmatic way to look at it from the point of view of a promoter. He says he created the women's title because he was impressed by stardom, uh, which isn't the case. Uh, says he used AI to analyze tweets about what? it. 90% of foreigners were in favor. The Japanese fans were more ambivalent. Apparently, female Japanese fans hate the idea. Um, he hints that a surprising foreign wrestler may make an appearance. I don't know if that was Claudio. Um, and question here do you think someone should start building the hall of fame case for obari because from what i'm hearing he has done a hell of a lot of good work for this company in a relatively short space of time when they're in at their lowest ebb in many ways yeah i mean when it's 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 six months to live uh yikes look everybody knew it, it was going to be <laughs> trouble let's put it that way when everything was going down and there was empty arenas and there were like every week we were on here talking about Oof, you know how are they i mean they're they're digging deep into the 
financial reserves to keep this fucking company afloat, I'm sure. Um, Hall of Famer, huh? Well, you know, people like to put that crown on Hiroshi Tanahashi when New Japan was struggling, certainly not in the financial, uh, 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 the finances as, as bad, maybe it wasn't as rough, but it was tough sledding for New Japan for a while there. Um, he steadied the ship, um, and you know he's trying to fill up those reserves of of money. Um, I give the guy a tons of credit in the sense of just just that alone keeping the ship afloat. And I will say this as well: the idea of uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling being stale or not willing to take risks or uh, safe booking or that's I feel like that's kind of out the window like they're af- they're not afraid to explore new avenues they're not afraid of of doing things uh, from a booking perspective that that you know, keeps you on your toes. Um, it's not- New Japan is the best book company in 2023. Name me another company that's better book than this. Right. There, there isn't one. There isn't. There really isn't. I agree. A thousand percent. And fans are coming back in their droves. They are seeing it. They're saying this product is red hot at the moment and I want back in. Yeah. And here's the thing. It's red hot and it's not even like at full tilt burning, you know, it's, it's, we're, like, like if you're jumping back on board now, you're the the flames haven't even reached the highest point yet. Like, but it's building toward that. Um, that's to me, that's the sign of a great promotion overall. The idea of okay, you have great times and you have poor times, and you being able to recognize when you got to make a change and when you have to spice things up and when you got to kind of move left when people are expecting you to move right. Um, And again, at the same time, keeping a business where, would you say two thirds of their income was live gates and merchandise that instantly in an instant goes away. Right? Like, like by it's, it's kind of like people who have, uh, and again, I'm not making light of, um, but it's like people who have a medical condition that's life threatening. And then that life threatening event, whether it be a heart attack, a stroke, whatever, like it happens and they now go into a, uh, you know, I have to make changes in my life. Am I eating? Am I exercising? Like they, they, they had to do that. They had a heart attack, <laughs> like, like new Japan, like got, you know, wheeled away in an ambulance. Uh, and they're making changes and they're getting fitter and they're getting leaner and they're getting smarter and they're getting, and they're, and they're able to create new stars because you have to create new stars. No, I I think new Japan's done an outstanding job. I really do. Um, 
am I ready to go fucking carry Obari on my shoulders and declare him the greatest of all time? I'm going to hold off on that for a second. Because there are still things that, you know, leave your head scratching. But, I mean, early returns. And, and here's the thing. The only thing you can grade Obari on during clap crowds and pandemic is the fact that he was able to keep the ship afloat. Like, and you can't judge booking. You really can't. It's completely unfair. Um, were some of the decisions head scratchers? Of course, but I don't know. You kind I mean, hindsight's twenty twenty, but you can't, you can't judge that. I feel, I feel like you just can't. You just have to erase it <laughs> from ever happening because it's not fair. Um, but the fact that he's able to do what he's been able to do so far, um, under and I put in air quotes normal circumstances, it's refreshing. You're right. Name me a better booked company in in 2023. I'd be hard hard pressed uh, to find another promotion that's equally as fun, exciting, different, fresh, and yet still has the same elements that we all look for with our new Japan Pro Wrestling. On the topic of fresh ingredients. Here's what, oh no, wait, no, they don't sponsor us anymore. <laughs> Let's move on then. Uh, it's the Hello Fresh Best of the Super Genius. Best of the Super Genius 30. And we have a winner. Oh, we do. Master Huato defeating Titan, 24 minutes, 48 seconds. Daryl says, The Geek did it. Seriously, how do they keep producing talent like this? This is a guy we all kind of mocked up until a week ago, and now he looks like a bona fide star. Is it how they develop talent, book the talent? WWE still has to try out Goldberg and celebrities because they can't make main event stars. And here we are with Master fucking Watto, and I'm getting up at 5 a.m. and waking up with wife and dogs cheering for this guy who's never main evented another major main event. Fucking bravo. Multiverse Aces, how will you celebrate the apex of Watto Mania? Uh, Lamau Esquire says, says David finally embraced Watto Mania, and David says Arsenal winning the league or Watto winning best of the Super Juniors. Which would make you happier? I mean, the, the latter because the, the former's never gonna happen it might happen who knows but i am so pleased that whilst arsenal season just fizzles out with a whimper we get to live through the glory days of watomania the weird little blue guy who made his uh, his post excursion debut in an empty arena mm-hmm. and then got brained by docky i mean look how far we've come and for those who've been paying attention this has been on the cards for a while I see a lot of people scratching their heads, the casuals, the monthlies, who are like, oh, what, this guy? This guy's best of the super juniors? But I've been saying ever since that incredible tag match last year that this was coming. He was the focus of that match. And I wondered if they pulled the trigger at Wrestle Kingdom. And although they didn't, the four-way was really cleverly built around Watto coming agonizingly close several times. So the story there was that if this guy can get a crack at this one-on-one, that he's got a real shot. And also, let's not forget that the All-Star Junior Festival had Watto handpicked as the main event winner. He was the show closer, which no one else was talking about except me. So it should come as no surprise, for listeners of this show at least, that he is lifting this trophy. And what an inspired piece of booking. You know, we've just been throwing flowers at uh, the booking of this company. To give Watto a fresh and exciting opponent in Titan 
where you know their stars can dovetail. So we've got the added story storyline there of him taking out one of the high-profile Lij Juniors before he gets a crack at Hiromu. The guy's already been beaten by Titan, and Titan he's been fucking outstanding yep. in this tournament. You can work to Wato's strengths, make him look like a star in front of a, a white hot crowd. The crowd made this match really special. And and look, best of Super Juniors final. That's one you circle in the Canada. That's one everybody's looking at and expecting and, and demanding a tip top match of the year candidate. And this is the first one in front of a cheering crowd since Osprey versus Shingo in 2019, which is insane to me. I know it's correct. But it's, that's just still beggar's belief. I cannot get my head around yeah. that. And my point being that expectations were very high. You know, this isn't a spot where a nice, you know, four and a quarter star match is going to cut it. So this was a, a huge test for both of these guys. And my God, they knocked it out of the fucking park. It was an outstanding match. This is my favorite match of the year so far. Uh, a wonderful story with Watto finally getting the big wheel and, and delivering and all that promise he showed as a young man. And look, we know he's not the most popular guy. He's goofy. He's awkward. He doesn't ooze the, uh, the the charisma or the confidence of those around him. And the more discerning fans hand wave him, he only really gets the love from the, the Discord freaks like me. <laughs> and the more uh, the more mainstream female fans who wave his towels, but then you know they go back in the bag as soon as the next baby face comes up. But tonight, it finally felt like he put it all together and won the fans over through blood and sweat and tears. And the company, they could have given this trophy to a Despi or a Robbie or Leo Rush, any of like half a dozen guys in that field who, to be honest, are probably better wrestlers than Watto in plenty of areas. They, those might have been safer picks. But I applaud the guts of New Japan to book, first of all, book a final that nobody predicted and that a lot of people were doubting would deliver the goods and make that investment and put that faith in the homegrown talent and I said there have been some gutsy booking decisions this year as New Japan stick their neck out and, and put in the work to create new stars. And this is right up there with them. And moving forward, Watto might not be the guy to beat Hiromu. He might not be the next junior ace. But at the very least, I'd say that tonight he proved all of his doubters wrong and demanded that some respect be put on his name. No doubt. No doubt. Listen, I, I know when I take a big fat fucking L... Uh, and I'm, I'm wearing it. I'm absolutely fucking wearing it because no, no doubt that he had, uh, not only a, a, a great finals match, which again, this is really one of the first times he's been asked to do that and and get the tap on the shoulder. We delivered. So not only the final. But yeah, I mean, I think he's had a, a a solid tournament as a whole. He's improved greatly. He's not the same guy that he was two years ago. That's for that's for certain. And yes, he does. You know, seem very, you know, like maybe not now, but like two years ago, three years ago, four years ago, Yoshihashi. Right? He has that same vibe. But yet, New Japan has confidence. Like, I, here's what I really like. I love the fact that New Japan took its time. This wasn't a rush job. This wasn't a, let's put them right in the middle of the mix. And No, no. It, that wasn't the case at all. It's been a 
build. It's it's absolutely been a build to get him to this point. His hard work, but the, also the company's faith. That, to me, might be the coolest thing. Uh, the fact that they've in you know he went through the system, he did his excursion, he came back, and it's been a, a climb. It hasn't been an instant boom away we go with Master Watto. Is there room for improvement still? Yes, that's that's also encouraging. But the fact that New Japan has the guts, or dare I say. Or dare uh, a wise man once said, "This man got the fucking balls." Is the, the the fact that they have the fucking balls to to do what they did and pulled the trigger? Uh, um, they have to be commended for that. And you're right, the people that just parachute in for big shows and they're just like, "How did how, what this guy?" Yeah, yes, this guy. They could have gone easy route. Despy was there. I mean, look, how many shows have we done leading up to a, a final? And the two guys that we're talking about, I, it feels like, you know, we're not in the mix <laughs> come come the the finals. Like, I, I defy anyone to give me Teton and the Master Watto in the finals. Uh, especially when you got guys that are still alive, like Despi and Hiromu and, you know, easily could have slid right in there. And, and you're right. They could have easily done Hiromu, Despi and, you know, live crowd and figured, no, they, they chose this path. Um, would things have been different with, um, Ishimori, uh, not being hurt? Maybe. Possibly, but this this Master Watto was the guy going into this, and and the the fact that they had the guts to to make it happen, Joel, they they've created another legitimate threat to and challenger to the junior title. That's how that's that's this is how it's done. So now you have Master Watto who has like legitimacy. Attached to his name. You have Robbie Eagles. You have Leah Rush. You have uh, Despy still. You, and it's just the names that are there. You know, you just added another important piece in the puzzle. Like he, like Watto goes into challenging Hiromo as a legitimate threat. Legitimate threat. Um, and that's what makes New Japan so good in their booking. It's kind of hard to sort of go back and analyze the matches that came before it, but I thought both semi-finals were brilliant as well. T-Town versus Despy, just an absolute masterclass in in selling from both guys, just incredible near falls. And Bailey versus Watto is just all action. And again, just so cool for them to handpick guys like Mike Bailey and T-Town as fresh names and fresh faces to help Watto, to help elevate him to that next level. Um, another thing that stood out actually from the semi-finals show was um, Fujita, Pinning yes. Ghetto, and uh, it's quite a short list of young lions who've been able to pin seniors uh, on on these shows. I think Hiromu was one. I think David Finley as well. I recall him pinning Ghetto at the end of the Best of the Super Juniors when he was still a young lion. So 
circle that. Yep. Take note of that because um, I've been singing the praises of Fuji. So I thought he was outstanding again today. I don't know what the future holds for him, if he's going to be on excursion soon or if he's even going to skip the excursion by virtue of the fact that he's in TMTK now. But he is he is good to go. He is ready. You, you plug him in the main roster now and he will he will shine. So he really stood out. And, yeah, from the block finals, I thought the Despy versus Robbie Eagles match was tremendous and I just loved the little show of post-match respect there. And we got some love uh, shown from William, who says, can we throw further flowers at Robbie Eagles for his commentary on the final night of A Block? Very incisive on calling the moves, what hurts, and telling the stories of the matches, as well as being very funny. Is there anything he can't do? I just think in general that was one of the strengths and, and hats off to Kevin Kelly as well for managing to have uh, a, such a wide range of people in the guest commentator booth yeah. with him um, from the, you know, the, the roster of wrestlers and each time managing to make it seamless and really help showcase their strengths and guide the conversations in a way to, to help them add something interesting. They all did a great job. Um, I thought Yo versus Kanemaru was really good. I mean, Kanemaru playing the spoiler as we expected, but um, that was a tremendous match. Uh, Hiromu versus Titan, just the, the absolute shock, like the huge crowd pop and the way they managed to establish his submission, Titan's submission move is uh, just an absolute killer because Hiromu tapped out to it. And then, you know, when you're seeing Despi locked in it and Watto locked in it, you're thinking, oh, fuck, you know, this is the move that made Hiromu submit. Right. Of course, these guys are in danger now. They're done. Um Leo Rush versus Mike Bailey. That was really great as well. I was very shocked that Mike Bailey won, but Bailey's been one of the MVPs of the tournament. I really hope they can get him to stick around or offer him a deal because he's just been a breath of fresh air and he's, he's gone down a hit with the fans. His matches have all been excellent. I really enjoyed Clark Connors against Dan Maloney as just a, this wild man brawl, them throwing shit at each other and swearing and that's what a walk and brawl should look yes. like. And I thought they, they knocked it out of the park with that one. And that was a real sort of coming out party for Dan Maloney, who I think has earned a recall. Like he's, he showed all the things that the, the, um, you know, the Brit rest people I speak to saying that he was just still figuring it out as he was going along, which is to be expected, but it really feels like he, he put it all together at the end there. And uh, of course, Taguchi finally getting off the mark and um, he, he used his bum in the end, even though it was by accident, but uh, <laughs> what a, a nice little story. He had a great tournament as well, Taguchi. So um, well done to best of the super juniors. Everyone, everyone did great. Yeah. Any, anything you want to particularly single out for praise? I mean, uh, again, I think uh, Teton might've been, not only the biggest surprise, um, but worthy of the surprise. Uh, you know, like so, I think he stepped up tremendously. Um, Mike Bailey was 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 a, a, a like a just a, a freshness and a uh, I, I guess freshness is the best way I can, can describe his. Uh, time there, like it just it like if we could find a way to to lock him down, that would be great. We'll see if that happens. I mean, you know, again, we just spent half an hour talking about uh, pinching pennies. Uh, I don't think, and correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think there was a, a guy in that tournament where I was down on that didn't find a way to, to deliver in some way or fashion. Like I, I really struggle to find like, like if I have to go through that entire roster, like who's the, is there one guy that, that is either a disappointing or B didn't put forth the, 
effort worthy of the the tournament? I, I would say no. I think everyone to a person, and I'm struggling to think of like who would be, if I had to rank them all, who would be last? Um, well, it's Bushi. But he wasn't bad. <laughs> right. Bushi was just Bushi. Right, right, right. But that, that just shows you that the floor is higher than it has been in previous years. It's unbelievable. It is. It's And, and it's still, still massively underrated in the entire scope of wrestling. Like, I, I feel like New Japan's juniors right now, New Japan's juniors right now should be talked about a ton more, a ton more, because truth be told, and and I'm not a, a a massive watcher of WWE or Impact or you know, but like buzz wise, like from what I watched to the buzz that I'm hearing, it it doesn't match. It doesn't match, and and when people catch on. I think I think they're in for a very pleasant surprise, and I will be the first to say, "Welcome back." Well, I it seems shocking to say that Dominion is right around the corner. I had to double check. I was like, "Wait, is it really next yes. Sunday?" So that's what we've got to do next. We have to preview Dominion because next time we speak, we're going to be reviewing it. This is arguably New Japan's second biggest show of the year. We do not have a full card, so I'm going to have to make some educated guesses based on events during tonight's show about what we're going to get. So this may be completely wrong, so if it is, I apologise. But these, this is matches, a mixture of matches that have been announced and matches that I think will be announced. And first of all, it seems like we're heading for a junior tag title defence with the Intergalactic Jet Setters, Kushida and Kevin Knight, defending against the former champions... Catch you to TJP and Francesco Akira. And I'd be really tempted to put the belts back on Catch Me too because they're so fucking good. Um, it would sort of make you wonder why they took the belts off in the first place when they were heading towards breaking a few uh, records there. But I mean, I definitely see the value in, in giving Kashida and Kevin like that little run with them. And yeah, I'm, I'm thinking Catch you to win them back. I do too. I'm, I'm, it's funny that you said that because. Uh, to me, that's look. I'm not going to have any problem with them not picking it up, but it, I don't know. It just feels like that's that's what's going to happen here. Um, uh, it, and he, but here's the thing too: if the if they lose the titles, I think, and again, I don't know for sure, but I think that that's where. Kevin Knight's Japan 2023 tour ends, right? He goes back home, right? Kevin Knight is all elite. Yeah. Is that what we're saying? Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> I mean, I mean, not necessarily all elite, but uh, I mean, I think he's going back. You know, strong here. You know. Yeah, I mean that would make sense. Like that's usually how it happens. Like a lot of these guys, we won't see them again until Super Junior Tag League. Right, right. Uh, yeah, I, I, th- I, I don't know. I just think it's, I think it's one and done for, for Kushida. How about Kushida? 
And here's the thing, too. We talk about Despi and Hiromu and all that. They could have easily just fit Kushida in the mix, and you know. And and I'm not saying they still won't. But boy, talk about a guy taking a backseat so that we can create new stars. You know, like he could have come home and just run through the entire juniors, and we'd be right back in 2019, right? And they had the balls not to do that. Good, good, good job, New Japan. I'll tell you. That's because that would be the easiest and uh, such a pro wrestling thing to do. Nope. Nope. I love it. Good job. Yeah. Incredibly gutsy. And, and, and it makes sense to say, no, you've been away from this company for four years. The people around you, the people that you used to know have got stronger and fitter and faster and better. And there's new people here who are better than you. And how many points did he get? What was it? Four points in the end? Yeah. Six points? That's a, a massive shock. I thought he would be, you know, in. I didn't think he was going to win it, but I thought he'd definitely be in, in the mix on the final night. For, for them to just be like, nope, that's it. You, you, you know, you're out of touch. You, you've lost pace with, with the top guys in this division now. Very good. I like it. Right. Great booking. I'm already annoyed, Damon, because I know that Tony Khan's going to win Book of the Year again. And he absolutely should not. Should not. The fucking shit show that's going on over there at the moment. I'll tell you what. Um, I'll tell you what. You if, go. if we don't lead the charge... For New Japan Pro Wrestling, uh, and whether it be the conglomerate that's booking, whether it be Ghetto that's booking, whether it be fucking Kikuchi, whether it be Chris Charlton, whoever's got the fucking voice uh, in that locker room and, and making the decisions, we, the Super J-Cast, Joel and Damon, are leading the charge here and now. On May 28th, 29th, whatever fucking day it is, in May, Booker of the Year. Booker of the Year. I I will I will fight that tooth and nail at this point. Tooth and nail. And we still have half a fucking year to go. Let's fucking do it. Okay, next match we'll be seeing the House of Torture uh, uh, in action. You know what? Take away the title. Take it, take it. <laughs> I changed my mind. The uh <laughs> the vacant heavyweight tag titles will be on the line uh, in now a three-way match. Oh. We've had new participants added to this. So it will be our favorites, Bishamon, got on Yoshihashi, versus Evil and Yudro, versus the Holy Seaman Army, Great Okan and Aaron Hanare. <laughs> so now I'm excited know. about this match because I'm sorry. I... <laughs> the Holy Seaman Army. I'm sorry. That's the funniest thing I heard all fucking week. <laughs> I've not received enough credit for that. Uh, that might be one of my funniest gags. Holy yet. <laughs> shit! Oh, I think my fucking spleen exploded. Oh, that is good stuff. Good job. All right. I'm sorry. 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 Guys, please. If if um, Great Khan and Hinari win, Hinari has got to make reference to that. Yes. In the post match interview please 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 it's 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 so great oh who is that, is that you who created it or was that a one of the maniacs yes, that, that is me that's oh, me. well no good job by you i mean was that at the top of your head have you said that you haven't said that before have you 
I've definitely, I'm pretty sure I've mentioned it on this show. Before. Wow, I must have missed it because wow, that hit home. And it's it's, just, it's that funny every time you hear oh, it. It's that good. So, <laughs> Slay it. <so> great. <laughs> that really is fucking. <laughs> I don't know why it's the funniest thing I've ever heard right now. Oh, all right, all right. I got to refocus. Okay, here we go. Boom. All right. <laughs> yeah. So we've got a three-way match for the heavyweight tag titles. I'm sorry, I've got no interest in seeing Evil and Yudro with the titles, no. but I love Bishamon. I think they would probably be the direction I would go and put the belts on. But I would be equally happy with Okan and Hanare. I mean, belts. I thought Okan was a really great tag champion. Yeah, with um, Jeff Cobb. Obviously, Jeff Cobb is in singles action on this card, so he can't be involved as well. But I think it would be pretty cool for Hanare to have a a new Japan title as well but um, I think that let's get the belts back on Bishmon because Bishmon kick ass I fucking love him I mean I want to be a bad choice with that but I would again if we're in the in the let's freshen things up let's get crazy let's get fucking nuts if we're, if we're in that mode I like the idea of Hinare and Okan like again I, I do I do have a little bit of a soft spot in the sense of I'd like to see Hinare have a title around his waist. Like he's been there a long time. I, it, you know, it, I think it would be a good fit. I, I like the tag team. Um, and it's new and fresh. And we got guys who we both enjoy. Well, I mean, I can't speak for you, but I, I enjoy both. Um, yeah, I don't know. I like Hanari. I know we probably the minority there, but I think he's been really good this year. Yeah. Yes, I'm. I'm. I'd be. I'd be totally okay with it. Not even okay with it. I, I, that's what I want. I would love to see Okan and, and Hinari as Joel has as uh, has crowned upon them. <laughs> what was it? A uh, holy semen army? Is that what it was? Oh, fuck. yeah. That's, I'm. I'm trying to sort of tactically mute in between Esther's coughing fits here. Uh, we will also have. The 15-minute time limit NJPW World TV Championship rematch between Zack Sabre Jr. and Jeff Cobb. So that went to a time limit draw last time in a brilliant match. I absolutely loved the first one that they had. And, yeah, this one is a coin flip to me. I mean, Zack has done fantastic work with the belt. I would like him to keep it and go on a little tour of Mexico and defend it against a load of CMLL guys because the uh, the tag match where he was squared off against Virus was so much fun at uh, Resurgence. But I can also see the value in putting it on Jeff Cobb because that I, I, I think all of this stuff, when we're looking at the booking and who's winning and losing these matches, we've got to have an eye towards Forbidden Door because that's just around the corner. And I know there was a lot of speculation about getting the Zach versus Daniel Bryan dream match, Daniel Bryan, Bryan Danielson rematch. And obviously, Zach without that TV title gives us a clearer path towards that. And I do think Jeff Cobb stylistically would be really great at these sort of sprint style matches where he can just toss people around and beat the crap out of them for for under 50 minutes so i am picking jeff cobb to win i'm gonna do something that i i don't think i have ever done on the super j cast or pure cast or fucking anywhere uh you're gonna have a wank <laughs> 
Finally. <laughs> I've been waiting for this. I've, I've had plenty of those, sir. <laughs> Have you not? Do you, do you forget the egg, sir? <laughs> um, the idea of this being a 15-minute match, would they, in your mind, would they do another 15-minute draw? And then have a rematch, but and have it stipulated that it's longer than fifteen minutes. Would they do that? I think that would be cheating. Aww. I think they've set this fifteen-minute time limit as a very cool um, identity for this title, and I wouldn't want them to mess with it anymore. Okay, so let's let's remove the the second half of that, and let's just go with: Would they do a fifteen-minute draw again? Um, I don't think so. Again, I'm just looking at the schedule to see what is coming up between now and Forbidden Door. We've got all together again um, on Friday, June the 9th. We've got a few New Japan Roads shows. We've got an Academy Showcase at the LA Dojo, and then we're straight into Forbidden Door. So I suppose it just depends how much you think that Zach versus Danielson match is going to happen. Yeah. And, and, it, and that... I don't know. It makes it a little bit easier with him without that title, right? Do you think? Do you think him having think the so. title I strengthens think... the chance of that match, or him without the title strengthens the chance of that match? Uh, I could see if he keeps it. I mean, it would make sense for Zach and Danielson to go to another fifteen-minute time limit draw. Wouldn't rule that out. Right. But um, again, don't forget that when a New Japan wrestler wrestles an AW wrestler. The AW wrestler has to win every single time. That's those are the rules. Uh, so, yeah, we call them the Noah rules. And then they have to sign. They have to sign for AW afterwards. Right, right, right. And then they have to sign. Right. Um. All right. So you're saying Cobb wins? That is my pick, Jeffrey Cobblestone, as our new <laughs> TV champion. Very polite. I'm going with Zachary. Zaberoso Jr. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, we also have for the never open weight championship match David Finley with his first den fence, as it says on the website, against the challenger El Fantasmo. Very excited about this one. So, this is like the new generation of um, <laughs> white guys <laughs> taking over New Japan. Uh, guys that Tony Khan probably doesn't have much interest in, Aww. so we can enjoy their work. <laughs> but they're great. No, I, I really think um, I, I'm excited for this one because the storyline is there, obviously, Finlay being the guy who booted ELP out of the Bullet Club. Um, and I think, am I right in saying this will be ELP's first match as a... Babyface. As a non-Bullet Club wrestler. Yeah, so... That's something to be excited about. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to this one. Um, I think Finlay has to win because I don't think the optics would be good for the new Bullet Club leader winning this title and then immediately losing it. Mm, yeah, yeah, but again, we're in this wacky world, man. Uh, this has the potential of, dare I say, stealing the show. 
I'm, I think this match on paper can be very sexy. Uh, you know, it's not like it's every. They wrestled each other in the G1 last year, didn't they? And it was, it really was good. good. Yeah. And now we're giving them time. We've got higher stakes, it feels like. Um, both guys are, are being um, heated up. I don't know. This, 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 to me, I think I might, this might be one of the more exciting matches that I have to look forward to. Like, I'm, I think this match has the potential to be really good. And like very sort of different stylistically from the last match that they had because this is new Bullet Club heel David Finlay right. where he's doing this sort of brawling, ruthless uh, killer style. And then ELP, like I don't know what tweaks to his game he might make now that he is uh, not affiliated with Bullet Club anymore. So stylistically, this could be quite different to the match that they had last year. So um, a lot of uh, unknowns there, which make it very exciting to me. Yep, absolutely. You would think... Uh you know, some of the stuff that annoyed people with the, the Bullet Club shenanigans with ELP, that might be taken off the table and we get to see him, uh, you know, go as they say. And then uh, David, who is, you know, he's got this uh, killer persona and tough guy persona. And yeah, it's it's there's there's a lot of things on the table that are new and fresh just within this one match, within the context of this one match, uh, a title and all, yeah, there's t- a time and uh, positioning on the card. <sighs> I don't know, man. Like, like I really feel like this has a chance to be the, sh- the show stealer. Yep, absolutely. Now, this could be nothing, um, but there was a, a very funny Twitter video where El Fantasmo sent a gift package to a guy who made um, a few appearances with New Japan last year and got a lot of love for it, which has made me think maybe they're going to team up to make a tag team. How would you feel about a potential heavyweight tag team of El Fantasmo and Alex Zane? Mm-hmm. Interesting. Interesting. I know everybody was uh, very high on him last year. Very excited by him. Why not? I got I, listen. I got no problem with that. No problem with that at all. I think that. I think that's a one of the most exciting things about New Japan is when guys and I don't want to say graduate, but like move up from juniors to heavyweights. Like it. It does instantly bring new, fresh, and exciting matches to the table. Um, I would have no problem with that tag team. I'm, I'm, I'm down with that. We'll also have the IWGP US Heavyweight Championship number one contenders tournament final where Will Ospreay will be facing Lance Archer. So <laughs> I know we've talked ad nauseum about the great matches they had in 2019. And there's a lot of grumbling about Lance Archer being involved in this. Uh, From myself, a lot of that grumbling has come, to be fair. Now, I do understand why he's been put in this spot. And I think it's important to acknowledge that Lance Archer is really well-liked by the Japanese fans. And he always delivers a hell of a show when he's out there. So 
I can definitely see the value in Lance Archer being put in this spot. I think this will be a very, very different match to the ones that they had in 2019. I don't think this is going to be Osprey doing loads of flips and dives and twirly-whirlies to make Lance Archer look like a monster. I think this is going to be more of a brawl than the matches that we saw in 2019. So I'm quite intrigued to see what it looks like from that perspective. Lance has really slowed down a lot. I wasn't enamoured with his G1 last year. It was fine, but there's other guys I would rather see in this spot. Whilst I, I, you know, I'm not hand waving it completely, I understand why he's there. Um, so I'm curious as to see what this match looks like stylistically. But um, I cannot look past Will Osprey as the winner to this. Um, so I'm assuming we're getting Osprey versus Omega Two at uh, Forbidden Door, um, which again, I'm thinking if Osprey does end up joining. AW, then you know, we're just devoting all of this uh, New Japan uh, real estate to uh, setting up feuds with uh, AWSs. But there you go, that's a side issue. Um, Osprey versus Archer. Damon, thoughts, please. Well, to me, um, this is one match where I, and I hate to say it because I, I also do enjoy his past work, uh, Lance Archer, I'm speaking of. Um, the problem is this. And, and and you're right. We all kind of get the idea of why he's brought over, why he's the guy against Osprey. Um, there aren't many pro wrestlers built like Lance Archer, right? He is a monster and a half. Uh, I just and again, you're in the ring with Will Osprey, who can do some pretty fucking magical stuff. Um, I do think that we'll see maybe not so much as the twirliness, but we will see him bumping around. Will I would, I would, I would think, although again, he is a different wrestler since those last, those 2019 matches. Um, but I, I guess this is Osprey's first match back since injury, isn't it? Singles match might be, might be, might be. I don't know. I just, I, I, I just think when you have the that the the dynamics of Lance as the monster and Will as the bump machine, uh, I, I think only good things can happen from that. Why David? We Osprey wrestled Tanahashi last week. <laughs> what? Oh yeah, that's right. That? That's right. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm honestly, I was thinking in like uh, in Japan. That that's where my mind went instantly. Yes. Yeah. No, he has had. Uh, there have been a couple yeah. of one PW matches, the Tanahashi <laughs> match, and a, a pro. Oh, right. Well, yeah, this is not his first match back from injury. No, it's not. Um. Well, that well, okay. So that screams volumes of of how memorable the, these U.S. shows are. That's for fucking sure. Um, anywho, uh, I'm I'm just test is not the word, right? But I'm kind of looking at this match at Lance Archer and saying, okay, is this the guy that we want to bring back? Is this the guy that? You know, has had his run New Japan, and it and it was awesome, and we appreciate it. Thanks, but we're going to move in in a di- different direction. Um, I'd be I, I I want him to do well. 
Um, he's in the ring with a guy who can make magic happen. Let's. I, I just am. Again, when we look at guys, like it, this is the opposite of me looking at like Master Watto to see if there's improvement. Like I'm just seeing. I just want to make sure you still are a guy we can count on. But that's all. That's it. So, yeah. But I don't think there's any question that Will's winning this match. And then we will have the never openweight six man titles defended from Okada, Tanahashi, and Ishii defending against the team of John Moxley, Claudio Castagnoli, and Shota Umano. So that is a very, very cool and unexpected surprise. I thought it was going to be Wheeler Yuta as the third man from that team. So great that they're bringing over Claudio. Um, I did a little bit of me was thinking, oh, maybe he's going to get announced for G1 at Dominion as well. But uh, I think given that he is Ring of Honor champion, that might preclude him from doing a G1, but maybe it won't. I mean, it would be fucking great to have uh, Claudio as, G- as uh, ROH champion in the G1. I'm sure they could book him strong, especially if it's a, a 32-man field. He could, he could definitely do one of that, but I'm getting ahead of myself here. I want to say that the interactions between Okada and Shota on these most recent shows have been fucking tremendous, yep. and I just love grumpy Okada having no time for these punks coming after his his crown, even though, you know, he's not champion, but you know what I mean, you know, his spot at the top of the card. Even the stuff between Okada and Ren today was fantastic. Well worth going out of your way to see. And it's just, for me, showing that Shota is coming on leaps and bounds, getting to work against quality like Okada and, you know, digging into that fire. I still would like to see Moxley beat him up and rip the jacket. I think the, the jacket's got to go. I think we, we do need to have a, a bit of a redesign there. But in terms of the actual passion and energy and fire that Shota Umino is showing, this is more like what I expected when he came back from Excursion. I think the Naito feud seems like an anomaly at this point. It didn't land. It was a bad stylistic and, and character matchup. But now I think we're starting to see, I'm not going to say the best of Shota Umino, but Moving in the right direction. I mean, maybe the, the best that we have, the, the best that we've seen from him so far in terms of character work, certainly. So, um, yeah, this is a, a difficult one to call. And, and again, I'm looking at this in terms of Forbidden Door. Right? I could easily see Mox, Claudio and Shota winning and then defending it, maybe losing it back at Forbidden Door. Or perhaps uh, something set up. I, I mean, I know it was teased that a Moxley... Okada singles match. They definitely were leaning heavily towards that at Resurgence and Moxley cut a great post-match promo after saying he could beat Okada in eight minutes. So that is something to keep an eye on. We could get someone pinning Claudio here to set up an ROH title defense. I mean, Claudio versus Ishii at Forbidden Door or something. That would be a, a, a pretty cool match for the uh, the casuals. So there's so many interesting directions you could go with this one. Yeah. So very, very hard to call. Um, it's a coin flip for me. I'd say Okada and Tanahashi and Ishii retain because I could see them defending it again at Forbidden Door. But um, I think who retains the titles is maybe one of the least interesting talking points potentially coming out. <laughs> yeah. I mean, look, look, just just write down the names on a piece of paper uh, and stare at it. 
and and think, wow, this is a fucking who's who of of outstanding pro wrestlers um, at various stages of their careers. You know, um, and these never titles, quite honestly, never felt more important. Um, with just the guys in the ring making those titles interesting and 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 worthy of attention. Um, if we're if we're thinking Forbidden Door, who would you rather have the opportunity for singles matches? Okada, Tanahashi, Ishi, or Mox? Claudio and uh, uh, Ren, or not Ren? I'm I'm, I'm sorry. Um, Shota. Shota. Uh, I think there is more value for Okada Tanahashi and Ishii to be involved in singles matches at Forbidden Door. Now you've laid it out like that, and I could see like Mox, Claudio, and Shota defending against I don't know, like an Lij team, right? or a Bullet Club team, or whatever. Yeah, so I think there's more interesting options with the Chaos team losing and then being involved in singles matches at Forbidden Door. Yeah. I'm, I'm, in, that, I'm, in, that, I'm in that camp too. Um, yeah, I'm in that camp too. And that's not to say that... Like, I, I would have no problem if it went the other way, but... Um, to me, I think there's just a little bit more chances of of a sexy dream match type thing when it comes to freeing up Okada and Tanahashi as opposed to say Mox and Claudio. Right? I mean, and I think I think your mileage will vary. Uh, Depending upon like who you who connects with you more, but to me, I, I I would rather see I'd rather see Okada at Forbidden Door in a singles match as opposed to a tag match. We will also see the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Title defended. It will be Hiromu Takahashi defending against the best of the Super Juniors winner, Master Huacho. So this is a, a fascinating one because. We have the specter of the Hiromu 12 defense record looming large in the horizon. But that could be a red herring, as I said last week. You know, this could be Watomania going in full force. So this is really difficult to call. I don't I don't know if... I'll tell you what, it's in Osaka. That's Wato's hometown. I'm saying Wato wins. Wow. Okay. Title change. He breaks the streak. Coming off of a bet. They're going all in. Uh, here's the thing. he's He's got his the most awkward trophy in all of sport <laughs> that he can lug around in his, in his carry-on. Um, and that would be – and he can ride that for a long time. right? He can ride that for a long time. He doesn't necessarily – necessarily have to win the title to keep the momentum going. Um, and again, you would then have Master Wato as your best of the super junior champion. 
not champion, but tournament winner. Um, and then you still have like Hiromu going for the record um, and still champion. And you have matches that you can build off of that. And I think that you eliminate some part of that with Watto just walking in and winning. Right. I'd rather have two options for shows and cards and importance and all of that. Um, as opposed to strapping that rocket to Watto and having him sweep. Yeah, I can see that. And also I'm thinking of stuff like the um, all-star junior show in the US. <laughs> Nobody's got where that. Where there are quite a few potential. <laughs> well, well, my point was going to be that there are potential title defenses there set up for Hiromu against guys like Leo Rush and Mike Bailey. Uh, for that impact show as well, you know, Hiromu versus Bailey could be an easy defense there. So, yeah, I'm really in two minds about that. Um, I just, I'm thinking if Watto loses, what do you do with the event? You know, how do you keep that momentum going? Or is it just like, you know, you, you put him on the back burner for a while and we don't think about Watto until we we sort of head down the stretch towards Wrestle Kingdom. But um, very tough one to call. I don't know. Yeah, I would rather, like I said, Let's keep the streak going because that that's built in interest, and Watto could be the guy who just you know okay fell short, um, but still again he can ride the 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 wave of you know every time he walks out they're going to announce him as the winner of the best of the Super Junior. So, um, yeah, I don't think we have to go all in on on the belt change yet. And our main event will be the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship with Sanada defending against Yota Suji. Uh, interesting that Suji made no appearances in these build-up shows, no preview tag matches. Um, I don't know if he had prior commitments or if that was a deliberate choice to as not declare which faction he is officially in. I know it's been heavily teased that he's going to be in LIJ, but they could be saving that for an actual moment, you know, maybe some sort of interaction with Naito or Hiromu or whomever at Dominion, either before the match or after the match where he does the fist bump and officially joins or or there's a swerve and he joins some other faction. I don't know, but that was quite unusual to not have him involved in any of the preview tag matches at all. And I don't know, this is quite unprecedented for a guy to go straight in to having a title match at the second biggest show of the year. I mean, even when... Okada came back. We had the Rainmaker shock. He had that weird singles match against Yoshihashi at Wrestle Kingdom 6. Right. So just to go straight back from excursion into challenging for the top title at Dominion, that is the fucking balls. <laughs> um, I really don't know how to call this one. Like, If it was Suji losing, why not just put someone else in that spot? Why not do, like I don't know, Sonata versus Shingo or whatever. There's plenty of other guys you could have popped in there to have a cool Dominion main event and lose, it would seem strange to have Suji coming back and having the rocket strapped to him and everyone talking about how great the debut looked and how brilliant it all is and how exciting to then have him lose to Sanada. Right. So uh, all bets are off at this point. This is 2023 New Japan. I don't have a feel for it anymore. <laughs> you know, there's so much crazy uh, gutsy booking happening that fuck it why not let's go suji wow. the heavyweight champion holy shit uh i mean 
everything you said is accurate. Um, New Japan. Look, it's like the tale of two excursions with Wato and Suji. Um, it's it feels like the complete opposite, doesn't it? It feels like well, they're they're. And and I know there's apprehension for people to be like, well, there, there's no way they're going to fucking do that. There's, you know, there's just, I mean, that's 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 preposterous. How to think that a guy will just walk in off of excursion as a young lion and then become world champion in this day and age? But god damn it, like all roads are leading this way, right? Am I out of my mind? All roads are leading this way. And you're right. It feels like it's all right, let's fucking let's let's shake things up and let's you know, let's see where the fruit falls. God damn it. I, I really think they're going to do it. I really think they're going to make that change. And which would be a shocking and b just is this all right, let me ask you this. I know he made a a wonderful re-debut. I know uh, people are hyped, and people have already, uh, you know, even before Excursion, put him as a, a a a top prospect, a blue chipper, if you will. Does does he have the tools right now to be? Your world heavyweight champion. That's the only thing that scares me. We don't, yeah, we don't know. I mean, from what I saw when he had that impromptu match with Ishii at Royal Quest 2, I thought he would look fantastic then. I wasn't expecting this. I don't know. It just seems very weird to go this far and then have him lose. And, you know, I could see, like, oh, he, you know, went really close and pushed Sonata to the limit, and then he gets a Naito fist bump at the end and gets to join LIJ. And that's, you know, that, that's pretty strong in terms of debuts. And I think I'm sort of thinking ahead about Yuya Uemura. I think if Suji loses this, then I will be looking at Yuya to be getting the rocket strip, rocket strap, because I think. They're setting the table, not just for who these guys are facing now, but th- thinking of the likes of Ren and Shota and Suji and in the future, whoever, and the storylines between these guys and the way that they're slotted in right now with you know, Shota, Kayfabe not having much success and Ren fucking about with six-man belts and then losing them. And then if Suji debuts and then loses, then that would set up the table nicely for Yuya to come in at some point. I don't know if it'll be this year or next year. And actually, do the full Okada win the belt and be like, you know, you three clowns, look what you've between the three of you, you managed to get a one, never six man title reign between you. You're a bunch of jokers. This is how you do it, and I think that sets up really interesting dynamics between those wrestlers. Yeah. So that is something to think about. I think you, Emira, is a an interesting caveat to consider in the future for the the dynamics of all these guys, but. I love the fact that this is so unpredictable, that New Japan has been so well booked and so fresh and exciting that we've got no fucking idea what's going to happen <laughs> yeah. to the Dominion main event. And I like it. I, I love the fact that I'm 50-50 on this. It's just going to make it so fun to watch. No doubt. It, I mean, no doubt. That's that's what 
Like, there's nothing worse than going into a show and being like, well, yeah, well, this guy. And you're already looking forward to two shows down the road, you know? Uh, no. I mean, every, I think everyone is focused on, you know, a week away. It's, uh, it's, I loved, I love that there's a shred of doubt in my mind. I love that the fact that logic is saying, New Japan's not going to do this. They're just not going to, no, they're just, what are you doing? And yet there is that other voice that's saying, you know, you've seen stranger things happen. I'll tell you what, they, I mean, it's it's it, to me it's it's risky it really is risky and and it shows that new japan is at least willing to have people think it's it's a risky move um i like the fact that again we're talking about the balls like if if in fact in their mind, they're like, "Okay, we're going for it. This is the, this is our guy." There, and we're putting all our chips in in, in on the table. You you, you got to admire a company that at least says this is this is the, the direction we're going. This this is where we're headed. Um, the problem is this: is that when you do that, there is a huge level of uncertainty and is this the right move like when you have guys and you see them kind of like again master wato um that was a build that was a progression to see you know what he can handle we're going right into the deep end of the fucking pool here right the idea of uh, you know a a young lion strolling in causing waves and is the face of your company? That's that's asking a lot right out of the gate. That's that's where I have my hesitation. To be honest with you, that's where I have my my moment of pause to say, "There, you can't fucking do this." Um, and maybe that's just fear, or maybe that's just you know the the limitations of doubt. And maybe New Japan doesn't have that. And they're then and they're forward thinking, and they're just going to do what they feel is the right path, scarier path, more more thrills, right? More open to speculation. But fuck it, let's go, let's fucking go, let's get excited for this, let's let's do this, right? Come on, next week, oh, Sonata wins in fifteen minutes. <laughs> But let's go. <laughs> and all this talk about balls, not a Manscaped sponsorship in sight. What, what a missed opportunity there. Well, that is a Dominion. Very exciting show. It's a pretty great card, I think. You know, this is me speculating on what the card is. Not all of those matches are official, but if those are the official matches, then that's a hell of a show. Yeah, yeah that's going to be a fun show. And again, you know, it's it's up there with one of the top shows of the year. Um, every year, it's an important show. That's that's again. That's why I'm kind of like they're gonna fucking do this. But okay, we'll see. We got a week. Uh, it'll be a week of full of speculation. I'm sure 
from other podcasts and other uh, discourse. But here we go. Exciting. It's good. It feels, Joel, this feels good, doesn't it? Certainly does. New Japan is back, baby. The battle is over. We have won, etc., etc. Uh, I've got one last question for you. Yes. Just popped in at the last minute here from a friend of the show and um, one-time co-host, Jay Michael. Ah. And this is for Music David again. We're going full circle here because the best of the Super Genius theme song was by a band called Ash to Hero. What's your favorite Ash song? For the record, mine is No Place to Hide. Ah, the band Ash. Interesting band, Joel. Uh, back in the uh, era of uh, Britpop, in which you were you were knee deep in, uh, I know you were a big, massive Suede fan, and uh, <laughs> Oasis. You would travel up north, and <laughs> <laughs> I like some Oasis. So we did that that lovely uh, Stand by Me duet yeah. in New York, didn't we? We did. We nailed that one. We were fucking good. Um, but Ash was uh, kind of like you know more. Guitar-y, anthem-y, almost pop-punky to a certain degree. Ash. Um, Girl from Mars is great. Um, I like Kung Fu. I like... Uh, what else? Uh, what else did I like? Um, fucking, what's the name of that song? I forget. Damn it! I forget the name of the song, but there's a there's a song that I really really like. It might be my favorite one that they do, um, and they did it on Jules Holland, and I can't remember the fucking song. Anyway, uh, but yeah, but I do like them. I, I, I like Ash. Good, good good job. All right, well that will do it for today. Um, Redcircle.com forward slash shows forward slash super dash j dash cast. If you want to make a donation to us, uh, we very much appreciate that. Discord link you can get by sending me a direct message on Twitter at Cobra Kawaii and ProWrestlingTees.com for slash SuperJCast if you want to buy t-shirts. Thank you to Editor Dan. Find him on Twitter at LousyHero219. Subscribe to the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network for other great shows. Give us a five-snake review on iTunes. Follow us on Twitter at the SuperJCast. Thank you everybody for listening and goodbye. Hey everybody, my name is Jesse Collings and I want to tell you all about my show, The Gentleman's Wrestling Podcast, here on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. On The Gentleman's Wrestling Podcast, we do a thorough analysis on the biggest issues and trends within the pro wrestling industry. We talk a lot about pro wrestling media, we talk a lot about fan culture and wrestling's place within general pop culture, and we talk about the broader influences that are shaping the way we discuss and analyze the pro wrestling industry. We've had some of the brightest minds in the pro wrestling intelligentsia on the show, including WrestleNomics host Brandon Thurston, both Rich Critch and Joe Lanza from the Flagship Wrestling Podcast, Trevor Dame from the Through the Years Podcast, and a whole lot more. This isn't a show for hot takes. It's not a show recapping the latest episode of television. 
This is a show focusing on the biggest topics in pro wrestling and doing a deep dive on the real stories behind the surface level analysis you might find elsewhere. The Gentleman's Wrestling Podcast is available wherever you get your podcasts, and we'd really appreciate it if you gave us a try. Thanks.